the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for February 28th, 2011. And um, getting a little uh, little late start on this week's study here. Usually uh, it's going to either be, the studies are either going to be on a Sunday or Mondays probably from now on. And I probably will not uh, be posting one next week. Uh, I've got a whole bunch of things going on there and I'm probably not going to be able to get one up next week. But uh uh, hopefully, Lord willing, we'll resume the week after that. And uh, today's study, we're going to cover a lot of different things. Uh, we're going to be looking at the uh, <clears throat> newest thing, the newest things that have come out regarding Lindsey Williams' predictions on oil possibly hitting two hundred dollars a barrel, and some confirmation of um, what he's saying there that I got from another source. Also, we're going to be taking a look at the social networks, uh, like Facebook and these types of things, and how the government is actually creating fake people on social networks to promote propaganda. And that's being proven now as well. Uh, we're going to be looking, taking kind of an extensive look also on the whole subject of um, uh, transhumanism and that type of thing, this Lady Gaga thing that it, that's come out where she came out in this egg and how that all relates to a lot of different things that are happening right now, um, confirming the coming New World Order and the things that we're going to be looking at there. Also, we're going to be looking at um, just a lot of privacy issues today, a lot of how they're trying to take uh, our privacy away, essentially through various means that the government's trying to implement. So that's kind of a brief rundown. We'll go ahead and just get right into the study now. And we'll give you some Bible verses to start out with here. These are some Bible verses regarding the heart. And some of these you probably heard quite a few times, but it's good to kind of have them all together in one spot to kind of get a, uh, a good perspective on um, what the Bible has to say about the, the heart. Deuteronomy eleven sixteen through 18 says, take, take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived. And ye turn aside, and serve other gods, and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you. Now, this is something I believe is very common in today's day and age, where people, even a lot of Christians, are their hearts are deceived. And they're actually turning aside and serving other gods and worshiping them. And they may, they're, they're not even aware that they're doing it a lot of times. They're, they're um, blinded, because the devil... Uh, will do that. He will blind you to the truths of, of the Bible and these types of things. So, it goes on to say, <clears throat> and then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and he shut up heaven, that there be no rain, and the land yield not her fruit, and lest ye perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. Therefore shall ye lay up these my words in your heart and your soul. So, <clears throat> the impl- uh, implication there is that if you if your heart's deceived and you turn aside and you serve other gods and you worship them, well, the Lord's wrath is going to be kindled against you. And then uh, chastisement happens. He shuts up heaven, there will be no rain, the land yield not her fruit, lest ye perish quickly from off the good land. So, again, the Bible says, Whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth. And if you be without chastisement, then you're bastards. A bastard is an illegitimate son. So somebody that can just you know, sin like crazy and have absolutely no conviction of sin, I don't care if they're calling themselves a born-again Christian or not, most likely they're not a Christian, because by their fruits ye shall know them. 
Now, this isn't about works salvation, but <clears throat> the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, goodness, faith, temperance, these types of things. And in, in a Christian, you should see these types of fruits. Not to say we're going to walk around sinless perfection, <clears throat> but we should strive, you know, for that. And um, these are just some things to kind of contemplate. Proverbs 18.13 says, He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is a folly and a shame unto him. <clears throat> now, in today's day and age, you get a lot of this, particularly if you're exposed to truth, and then you try to shed light on other, you try to help other people, which is what we, a lot of us are doing right now. This is the reason I have this ministry. I mean, uh, I was deceived on a lot of different levels, and then when I started finding out a lot of truth about the New World Order and, and the various things that we get into, Satan's devices, and the Bible says we're not to be ignorant of Satan's devices, lest he get an advantage of us, 2 Corinthians 2.11. So we, we don't want to do that. Well, if you're already set in your mind, and you answer a matter before you hear it, it's a folly and a shame unto you, which is typically the typical response that you will get when you try to present people with truth. Particularly this type of truth that's really hard hitting and, and, you know, it might shatter someone's whole paradigm or thinking process. Or, if they've been involved in a false religion and they have their whole life or a large portion of their life invested in a false religious system, not only is there a large demonic component there that's blinding them, but it's also a pride component because they think, hey, I got all this time and effort and energy invested in this false religious belief or false religious system. Or even if it's, let's say it's not totally false, let's say it's like, you know, some sect of Christianity that has some things right but a lot of things wrong. A lot of times it is pride that will prevent them from breaking free because they're thinking, no, 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 i got all this time, I've got all this effort, I've got all this energy, I've got my reputation wrapped up in this religious system, and there's no way I'm going to break free. I don't care what you tell me, my mind's made up, don't confuse me with the facts. And this is a very big reason why a lot of people end up going to hell, because they, they just, they can't do it. They can't, from a pride standpoint, they cannot break free from their <clears throat> from this mindset that they've got that has been instilled in them by this false religion. Religion will take more people to hell than most likely any other thing on the planet. I understand that you know, it's ultimately what you do with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know that was what determined salvation. That's true. But I'm, the vehicle by which people are mostly deceived on planet Earth is religion. Okay, and this is why I don't call myself any particular denomination. I just call myself a born-again, Bible-believing Christian. Saved through the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't deserve it. <laughs> sure don't deserve it. If I got what I deserve, I'd get death and hell. Uh, but praise the Lord Jesus Christ for His salvation, through, for His finished work on the cross, whereby which, you know, we obtain salvation. So, uh, you see a lot of that, you know, answering a matter before they've heard it. <clears throat> Proverbs 14.12 and 16.25 says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And you hear me quote that one a lot. And that was one of the first verses I ever memorized. That was one of the first verses that I believe the Lord ever showed me. Because this is how most people just live their life. Well, it seems right. 
I'm basically a good person. God would never send me to a devil's hell. There's no such thing as hell. I've got my own religious system. Yeah, I'm a good person. God wouldn't send me to, to hell. I'm a pretty good guy. I'm better than that convict over there. That's how they look at it. But the Bible says, <clears throat> but we are all together but we are all together as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags, according to Isaiah sixty four six. So our best day, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, is like a filthy rag in God's sight. Because he's perfect, he's perfectly righteous. And we, we can never match that standard in and of ourselves. Now, through the Lord Jesus Christ, I can do all things through, through the Lord which strengthen me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So that we can, But we have to do it through the Lord Jesus Christ in his strength and give him the glory. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. So we've got to keep acknowledging him if we want him to direct our paths. That's the key, right there. And what is that? That's humility. I mean, if you're acknowledging someone else as, <clears throat> I mean, let's say, for instance, if you see some sports guy, and, and he goes up there, and he doesn't try to shed the spotlight on himself, saying, I'm this and I'm that. He gives all the credit, let's say, to the Lord. And he thanks his coaches and his family, and he gives it. Well, that's that's a form of humility. That's That's basically, you know, you know, hard not to like a person like that if they're doing something like that, where they're not trying to show the spotlight on themselves, but they're actually giving the glory, you know, to the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and let's say maybe to coaches or other people, and I don't know if that's the greatest example to use with a sports figure, but hopefully you understand the point there, what I'm trying to make with that. So, um, yeah, when we, when we acknowledge the Lord, this is a form of humility, because we're saying, we didn't really do this, we did it through the Lord. He gave us the strength. I mean, let's face it. He puts the breath in your lungs. He gives you water to drink, food to eat, air to breathe. He's the one that created you in your mother's womb. He's the one that, that gives us the atmosphere on this earth. He's the one that, you know, the reason this planet is here, that the sun burns. I mean, if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be, <laughs> we'd be nothing. Nothing. All, we, all he would have to do is take one of those things I mentioned away, pretty much, and particularly air. <laughs> it wouldn't take a whole lot longer for us to not be here if we didn't have air. And we would be nothing. You know? So, that I, I think it's a good perspective to try to keep in the forefront of your mind. Uh, Proverbs twenty eight twenty six says, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. That's not one you hear quoted very much. I mean, you know, all the commercials and... Just trust in your own heart. It'll never leave. I love these jewelry commercials that you'll see sometimes. And they'll, oh, just trust in your heart and it'll never ever lead you wrong. No, trust in your heart. It'll always lead you wrong, basically. I mean, unless you're a born-again Bible-believing Christian and you have the Holy Spirit living inside you, you know, and, you're, and your heart is actually guided of the Lord. But for the most part, that's not the case. So, he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. So there's an implication of deliverance there if you walk wisely. Because a lot of people are worried about that right now. A lot of Christians are thinking about that. They want to be delivered. Um, the Bible says, Jesus said, pray that you be accounted worthy to escape all the things that are coming upon the earth and to stand before the Son of Man. He said that specifically in regard to the times that we're living in and going into, the end times. 
So that's something we should be praying about regarding protection. And I've also done several teachings on biblical keys to answer prayer, uh, imprecatory prayers in Psalm 64. If you've never heard that teaching, you might want to listen to that. Um, <clears throat> those are some things you might want to avail yourself to regarding protection. And um, you can go to contendingfortruth.com and go to the search box there. And or you can, if you can't find it through that method, you can go, I have some other, there's some other websites that you can click on, on the right side of the contendingfortruth.com website, you can click on them, and they've got all my teachings archived. So, going further, <clears throat> Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10, The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked, who can know it? I, the Lord, search at the heart, Search the heart, I try the reins, even to every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. So, again, we've quoted that verse many times. The heart is deceitful above all things. Um, Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool hath no delight in understanding. So when you're dealing with people, I get this a lot, you know, they're dealing with typically family members, which are the hardest ones to reach. Because, see, they know probably the pit from whence you were dug. And the Bible says we're supposed to consider the pit and whence we were dug. And what is that? That's humility. It's thinking about, I mean, if you ever think you're getting on your high horse, consider where God brought you from. You know, that that should humble you right there. Well, they know that. And most people do not want to answer to a holy God. So, Bible-believing Christianity is one of the only religions... I guess you shouldn't say religious, but only one of the only belief systems on the planet where, in the end, you have to answer to a holy God. Okay, Buddhism doesn't have that. Hinduism doesn't really have that. You know, Satanism doesn't have that. There's a lot of things that you know that don't really line up with that, and they don't want to answer to a holy God. They don't want to be bound by what they would perceive as the constraints of the Bible. So they're going to do anything in the world that they can do to attack your belief system and to try to debunk it. And one of the main things they'll use is just your past. Oh, I know who you were and all this stuff, and I don't believe this. And, and, and you know, it's their excuse so they don't have to get saved. Now, what is guiding their decisions to do this? Demons, most likely. Demons and devils. You, you remember, we battle not against flesh and blood, but against princes and principalities and rulers of wickedness in high places. These types of things. So that's where a real battle is. And this is why the Bible says, wherefore take on the whole armor of God. Which you should be doing that. Uh, every day. Ephesians 6. And wherewith you be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And having done all to stand. We're supposed to stand against the devil. We're not supposed to turn it back and run. And if you think about it, if you put the armor on and you turn and run, there's no, there's no armor on the back side. So if you turn and run from the devil, then, you know, it's like you're, not, I wouldn't say defenseless, but you don't have the armor on your backside. So, anyway, these are just some things to think about <clears throat> regarding these verses that we're, we're looking at here. But a fool hath no delight in understanding. So there's those Bible verses, cast not your pearls before swine. And, you know, um, there's different verses that relate to that. And there is a time that you contend with a fool, and there's a time that you don't contend with a fool. Okay? And when that time is, is really up to the leading of the Holy Spirit. 
Because I get that a lot. Well, how do I know when I should contend? Well, as a rule of thumb, typically, if you're if you have already contended with somebody for a long period of time, and I mean it's information like this, and it's just not going anywhere, and all they're doing is getting more and more hardened to the truth, and more and more. I, usually, that's a pretty clear indication that you don't want to waste any more time on that particular situation, and let pray for them and let the Lord, you know. Hopefully you've planted some seeds there that you may not be aware of, and then at some point the Lord can actually have those those seeds mature. He can humble that person to the point where they're like, wow, yeah, the, what they said was true. He backed off, and he's not trying to, perceiving that he's not trying to shove something down my throat anymore, and now he's more receptive. So that, that can happen. And, and um, I think there's a time when... the. Um, there's Bible verses that specifically relate to that particular subject. And I'm going to go ahead and just give those to you right now. Okay, so let me just give you some of those now that we kind of broached that subject. Well, Galatians 4.16, Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Most of the time if you tell somebody the truth, particularly if it's biblically related truth, you're going to become their enemy. You know, Jesus Christ said, Think it not strange, the fiery trial, which is to try you, it's not something, I mean, people email me in like this big panic about, I've lost, my family doesn't like me, my friends don't like me. I'm like, well, that's what the Bible says is going to happen, most likely. I mean, it's, you know, Jesus Christ said, think not that I came to bring peace, but a sword. And a man's foes will be the, they of his own household. Daughter against mother, father against son, this type of thing. Honestly, it's what you should almost expect. I'm not saying you gleefully expect it, but it is pretty much what the Bible predicts is going to happen. You know, just remember, your life is not a popularity contest as a Christian. You give them the truth, and, you know, you go. You go to the next person. Because you just can't dwell on one person and, and burn and waste time. The Satan loves to just waste and burn your time like that. Galatians, um, oh, I'm sorry, Proverbs 20, 26, 4. Now, when I was first a Christian, well, no, I had probably been saved for about five years. I got to these set of verses, and they didn't seem to make sense to me. <clears throat> and then I went to Wise, we had an associate pastor at the church I was going to. It was an independent fundamental Baptist church we were at. And um, he answered this, I, I believe he did it very eloquently. Um, and I'm going to give you the answer now. Proverbs 24, 6 says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like him. Then the next verse says, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. I'm thinking, well, did the Bible just contradict itself? No, there is a time that you answer a fool according to his folly, which would most likely be at the very beginning of, of some type of controversy that either he or you brought up. Okay? There's a time that you you answer a fool according to their folly. Why? Lest he be wise in his own conceit. In other words, he comes up, or she, or whatever, and they say, what about this, Mr. Super Christian? And they think they got you right where they want you. And then you give them the biblical answer. Maybe you have to go look it up. Maybe you've got to research a little bit. Okay? But you give them the answer. Okay? You don't want to not give them the answer because they're going to be wise in their own conceit and then their own warped belief system is only going to be reinforced. Their own little religious religion that they've created for themselves. 
that what they've got, you know, that's what a lot of people do. They have their own little religious belief systems, and that's what they base their whole eternal destiny on, is their opinion, many times. Now, but then there is a time when you answer not a fool according to his folly, lest they'll also be like him. Okay, let's say you answered him, and you gave him a good answer, and it doesn't matter. It's just like, you know, he just wants to argue and contend at that point. He just wants to burn your time up and... And this is my life, okay? So, this is what I do, pretty much. I have to constantly make this decision when I'm dealing with people. Because that's how, I mean, I get bombarded with emails all the time trying to answer questions and this and that. So I have to discern, and I pray the Holy Spirit helps me do that, when do I contend and when do I not? Typically, after you've already answered the matter, and if you've answered it in a biblical way, and you've done it in, let's say, you know, you didn't try to tear their head off or something. <clears throat> the Bible says that if you see your brother, you know, in an air, go to such an one in a spirit of meekness, lest thou also be tempted. Many people that just come to me, they just try to tear my head off right off the bat. That by itself is totally unbiblical. But, but then a lot of times maybe they're convinced in their own little religious system that they believe in if I'm dealing with some cult or whatever. Maybe they're they're convinced that I'm just nothing but a heretic and, and I need to be whatever set in my place. So there is a time that you answer not a fool according to his folly, lest they'll also be like him. In other words, you've already answered him and then all of a sudden he's just wanting to contend. It doesn't matter what facts you put in front of them. Their mind's made up. Don't confuse them with the facts. You don't even want to waste any more time at that point. You want to just go on, don't waste your time, don't waste your energy. Because nothing is going to be accomplished other than that person burning up your time. And the demons and devils love it, because they're just wasting your time, and they're frustrating you, and it's just exasperating. <clears throat> which would relate to this verse, Matthew 7, 6, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs. Neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. So what does that imply? That implies, when you give that which is holy unto the dogs, and you cast your pearls before swine, all they're going to do is trample that truth under their feet, and then what, what are they going to do? They're going to turn again and rend you. They're going to turn and attack you for the good that you tried. They're going to reward you evil for good. And the Bible says, won't in them reward evil for good. And then it says, evil shall not depart from their house. Them that reward evil for good, evil shall not depart from their house. So those that, turn, that, that make that, do that, make that their life, rewarding evil for good, evil will never depart from their house. So, Hopefully this is kind of helping you to understand some of it. Because I get these questions a lot from people. And, um, I mean, I'm constantly, <laughs> this is my life. These, these verses are, are constantly um, things that I think about when I'm dealing with, with people. Because you never know who you're actually dealing with when you're in, engaging someone in an email. Uh, you just really don't know that. Uh, Job 11.2 says, now this is a time when you would engage. Should not the multitude of words be answered? And should a man full of talk be justified? 
which would which would line up with answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. See, because why? Because that multitude of words, they're wise in their own conceit, they're a man full of talk. You don't want them to be justified. You don't want them to go away thinking, ah, I've, I've defeated that person. Typically, you engage them once, and then if, you, if they are not receptive, if they're just full of pride, blinded by pride, you don't continue to engage that person. Why? Lest they turn and rend you and trample all everything you've given them under your feet. The only thing at that point you can really do is shake the dust off your feet. Pray for the person's soul. Pray that the fear of God be on them like a thick cloud, that hopefully their eyes would be opened and that they get saved. Because you can't save them. The Holy Spirit has to be there to bear witness so that they can get saved. But what's going to have to happen most likely before that is humility. Because you can't get saved apart from humility. You, you, you can't go around walking in pride saying, yeah, I'm going to get saved, I'll accept Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. No. It doesn't work that way. You have to be humbled. You have to understand that you are a sinner. You have to understand that your righteousness is, a, is as an unclean rag. You know, you have to understand that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And you're saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But most people think they're working their way to wherever they believe they're going. Whether it's heaven, nirvana, paradise, whatever they call it. It's works-based religion. And virtually all religious systems in the world including most of the ones that would call themselves Christian, are works-based. Anyway, I've done a whole teaching on salvation that you can access. It's out on the right side of the contendingfortruth.com thing. Now, that is the most important teaching I've ever done. Because I can give you all the truth in the world, and... Um, you know, you can be the most educated person on the planet regarding end time events and still go straight to hell. What good have I really done you? The most important thing is to settle that issue. Okay, salvation. There's a little link on the side, on the right side of contendingfortruth.com. It's, uh, it's the free gift salvation link. You'll see it down there. Um, it, it'll be highlighted. And most of the other sites that I also give on the... Um, on my website, alternate sites to get my teachings, they'll have it as well. So you can listen to that. Just give you the Bible. I'm just telling you from a biblical standpoint how to be saved. And it's not complicated. It's just a matter of understanding. And, I, you know, and, and that's what I'm trying to do there. So anyway, let's go back to this. these last verses. Um, Proverbs 18, 2 says, All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. So, see, this is the problem. Somebody caught in some false religion or some false belief system, all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. I'm basically a good person. I'm, I'm a good person compared to that guy, compared to that serial killer or whoever else. I'm a morally upright person. Well, that doesn't matter. In God's eyes, what matters is, is what have you done with his son, the Lord Jesus Christ? Okay, so that's the thing that you're contending with typically when you're dealing with people in general. I'm basically a good person. They, they're not judging themselves. The Bible says if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Now that's really from a Christian 
born-again Christian standpoint. Obviously, if an unsaved person is judging themselves, that will most likely bring them to a point where they can, they're going to be in a much higher likelihood of being saved. They're actually really, truly judging themselves, seeing themselves for who they are, but it doesn't make them saved. Okay? Um, he who is spiritual judgeth all things. That's what Jesus Christ said. So, what we don't want is hypocritical judgment when we have a beam in our own eye and we're judging the speck in our brothers, which is the typical thing you typically will deal with. Mark 7.13, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition. This is typical through most pseudo-Christian 501c3 corporate denominations out there. They've got a lot of tradition. A lot of it may be totally unbiblical. They're using, you know, basically New Age Bible versions, these new Bible versions that spawn from the 1881 revised version of two high-level occultists, Westcott and Hort, which translated that from two corrupt Catholic manuscripts, the Sinaiticus and the Vaticanus. And you have a corrupt Word of God. You have a lot of corruption in the church. You have a lot of false religion. You have a lot of false tradition. You've got the church being a 501c3 corporation that got its right to exist from the government. Anything that has two heads is a monster. You can't have. You can't serve God and Mammon. You can't bow the knee to Baal and God. So you've got a lot of stuff going on in the church from a physical and a spiritual standpoint that's really, really blinded a lot of its adherents. And they've made the word of God of none effect through their tradition. It's it's the norm. It's not the exception. It's the norm. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, For God is not the author of confusion. Okay, and again, this is a big reason what I would point people to in the Bible version issue. There's just there's one King James Bible, which is translated from a totally separate, different line that's been used way longer than these other New Age Bible versions, and it's spawned all kind of revivals and, and, and you know, thousands and thousands of people being saved, and it was here before these New Age Bible versions came, first one being really 1881, the first major one. And that was good enough. But then all of a sudden, 1881, this other new false translation comes around, means corrupted as you can possibly be, which has spawned virtually all the newer versions. And now that one's better? Well, God's not the author of confusion. You go to a, If you go to a church and you got, you know, the, the pastor reading out of a living... Bible, and then every, and then some people reading out of an American Standard, and then in whatever other ESV and New World Translation. I mean, there's so many different translations. There's literally hundreds. Why do they translate so many? Well, it's about money. The love of money is the root of all evil. Now, I think from a satanic standpoint, it's about just diluting the word of God more and more. But from a monetary standpoint, every time they make a new translation, they copyright it. The King James Bible is the only Bible that's not copywritten, other than if you're in England, and I know they do have a copyright thing in England. But any other part of the world, it's not. You can, you can copy it all day long. That's why if you go to those dollar stores, what do they have in the dollar stores if they have Bibles? King James. Why? Because they're not copywritten. So they don't have to pay royalties to, like, Zonderfan, which is one of the most wicked companies on the planet, owned by Rupert Murdoch, who owns one of the most wicked, evil people on the planet that has ever lived, the media mogul, Rupert Murdoch, who is a, who is a, um, um, attends Rick Warren's Saddleback Church. Rick Warren's doing a real good job mentoring him, you know. 
And, well, they're both New World Orders. They're New World Order boys and elitists, and they're bringing us to the, the coming New World Order in the age of Aquarius and the infiltration of the church. Rupert Murdoch, who owns HarperCollins, who owns, which is what owns Zonderfan, HarperCollins um, has all kind of gay, lesbian manuals and, and that they produce and all kind of pro-homosexual literature. They also produce the Satanic Bible. They're the company that owns Zonderfan that manufactures... Um, well, produces the NIV, which has over 64,000 less words than a King James Bible. Zondervan is one of the most wicked companies on the planet. And in other words, if you try to copy right, if you try to copy an NIV, Zondervan is going to come along and say, "Hey, where's our cut? Well, this has a copyright. You can't do this. And a King James, you can do that. That's why when you go to a dollar store, at least in America, and you can get a, a literally a Bible for a dollar. I've even got some lately where they're literally gold edge, like gold edge gilded. Sorry, it's a little bit windy where we're at right now. See so if you hear the wind in the background. Um, they're so. I mean, I cannot believe the dollar Bibles they're putting out now. I mean, they're just they're amazing. Not to say every dollar store is going to have the same ones, but. I've even seen dollar store MP3s with the whole Bible, or I think it's the, either the New or the Old Testament, on one disc. Now, your CD player has to have an MP3 ability uh, capability to play that. Not all CD players do, but I would believe most of the new ones do. Anyway, with a King James, they don't have to pay a copyright fee. Whereas the other ones, they would. And this is why they could never afford to have those in the dollar stores. Because they have to pay this huge royalty to for a false Bible version, no less. I just think God made it that way, you know, where we still have access to it. I don't know how long we're going to have access to a King James Bible, but for now, you know, and I know in a lot of countries that may be listening to this, you don't have that option. You know, whereas we do. We're very blessed in America, and I don't think... I don't think any of us realize how blessed we've been. I think those days are coming when that's going to be very much different. Um, the day of our visitation, most likely, in America is near. Uh, we can't have what has happened in America and for God just to wink at it forever. It's just not, it can't happen. You know, it would be like God never dealing with Sodom and Gomorrah. It has to happen at some point. 50 million babies, the blood of their, their innocent blood cries out from the land. 50 million babies slaughtered through abortion. You know. That by itself is all, you know, God would really need and have in order to judge this nation. So God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. So, those are the um, Bible verses we wanted to start out with. Uh, let's get into the first article here. Lindsay Williams exclusive, New World Order to target Iran and Saudi Arabia next. Oil to hit $200 a barrel. Uh... This starts out by saying, Alex welcomes to the show ordained Baptist minister Lindsay Williams. Lindsay will reveal on the Alex Jones show new groundbreaking information about the plans of the global elite. Because of his executive status, according to him as chaplain of the Aliska Pipeline Company, Williams has been privy to the plans of the elite for years. Last year, Williams predicted the price of oil would go up significantly and the market has since skyrocketed. skyrocketed most recently, in response to the outbreak of an engineered revolution in violence in the Middle East, developments also revealed to Williams by the global elite. 
So, we're going to play several different clips from this one video. It's, it's the third of five, like, 15-minute videos. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to play the whole 15-minute video. I'm just going to play excerpts of just the pertinent parts, okay, um, of that particular video. So, if I go and I use somebody as a source, like Lindsay Williams or Alex Jones or uh, Chuck Baldwin or Chick Publications, or whoever. Please understand and bear in mind, most of the time, the vast majority of the time, they're not going to have the same beliefs that we have in this particular ministry that the Lord's put me into. Most of the time, they are going to have some type of corporate status. And if they're a ministry, most of them will have a 501c3 corporate status. Or even an individual uh, many times, like with Alex Jones, I would consider that more secular. He says he's a Christian, but <laughs> there's a lot of evidence to indicate that that's not the case. And I've done, I've addressed that subject extensively in previous studies. Doesn't mean that I don't think there's things to be gleaned there. Uh, but I was attacked pretty hard this week by a former listener regarding this particular subject. And I, I, I told him, like, listen, if I were to not use anything... From, let's say I, I use no sources from anything that has any kind of corporate label. Well, then I might as well just fold up shop and never do another broadcast. Because the news which is out there, which is breaking consistently, always comes from either a 501c3 corporate ministry, typically, I'd say 99 times out of 100, or from some secular source. So please bear that in mind. I mean, please just glean. I'm not telling you to go to the first church of whatever, Alex Jones. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not to say as a church, but, or whoever else. Chick Publications, who puts out a lot of the good tracks that are out there. They're 501c3. I'm sorry, I wish they weren't. They've got a lot of good resources, though. And their tracks, for the most part, really get read at a high level. More so than other tracks that I've ever seen. Just from years of experience and observation, I've, I've observed that. I wish they weren't 501c3, but they are. Um, and the government would make it very, very hard for them to not be. And that's all by design. The fact that I'm not is because, pr- primarily because I would never do it, but also because I have always maintained a very small, low profile. I'm never... You know, taking on employees. I'm a one-man band. I do pretty much... Granted, there's been other people that have helped me with the ministry, with the internet putting stuff up. But as far as the material that's getting put up, <clears throat> it's pretty much my responsibility. All the emails that are getting answered and everything else. So that's afforded me and allowed me to not even have to even go that route. So, granted, I wouldn't do it anyway, but it's it's been a blessing uh, but it would be very, very, very hard if you ha- got into a ministry and you wanted to sell materials. I don't sell anything. I just give it away. And you want when you get into that kind of stuff, then it's almost impossible to not have that 501c3 corporate status. So bear in mind, just glean, you know, just what I'm doing, what I try to do is condense things down, I find, on a weekly basis. Um... Try to cut away a lot of the redundancy of things. Put it in a concise manner. Give it back to you. 
so that you can be prepared and armed for the days and times ahead. And that also that you could, in turn, reach out and help other people. So, anyway, let's go ahead, and I'm going to go start this uh, several different little video clips from part three of this Lindsay William interview. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and start this clip. We're going to play about the first five minutes, and he's going to be talking about the Muslim Brotherhood. He's going to be talking about the Middle East situation right now with a lot of the turmoil there and how they're going to end up being double-crossed. And you might have to go back and re-listen to some of these to this clip, these clips I'm going to be playing, because he, he's talking pretty fast, he's given a lot of different information, but his predictions in the past have been, particularly regarding the oil, have been highly accurate, uh, regarding if oil price is going to go up or go down, or about where they're going to go, and where. And what he's saying is a, particularly when he gets to the end, and he really gives you the big picture, how they're going to use this in order to implement a one world currency. There's probably not a better way they could or uh, I don't want to say smarter because it's evil smart, but from an evil way, there's probably not a better way they could thing they could think of to implement a one world currency and to collapse the um, the dollar eventually. So again, you might have to go back and re-listen to this, but I, this I do believe is going to really give you the big picture. I must explain what the Muslim Brotherhood is doing later, but I won't take the time right now. Why, how are you going to be double-crossed? You remember that Mr. Kissinger went abroad in 1977 through 81 during the Carter administration, cut a deal with every then-producing major oil uh, country in the Middle East, and the deal was, we will buy your oil. We will no longer produce from America's oil fields. Oh, a few little, uh, a few little uh, wells here in yonder. Yeah, we'll, we'll allow them to go, but, uh, but nothing big whatsoever. The North Slope of Alaska, we'll just tap a little bit of it, but we're not going to get the big ones. We will buy from you if you will do the following. Number one, you must take a certain portion of what we buy oil from you with and buy our Federal Reserve issues of key bills and securities. This, in turn, paid the interest on the national debt, which at that point they began to bring in that new world order, put America into the debt that is in today, and bring America down to the status of a third world country. It was all planned back as far back as I knew in 1971. They knew it a long time prior to that. Now, how are they going to double-cross the Arabs? The dollar will be dead by the end of 2012. Mark my words, this was given to me by them. It is prediction. Put it down. And whenever it does, what's going to happen to those billions and billions of dollars, maybe in some cases trillions of dollars, worth of T-bills and Federal Reserve issues that have been sold to the oil-producing countries according to the deal that was cut by Kissinger in 77 through 81? What will happen to that paper? Please remember the previous show that I was on with Alex Jones. I was told if it's written on a piece of paper, it's worth the paper it's written on. This should be a classical statement because it was told to me by Mr. Brom before he died. Chaplain, if it's written on a piece of paper, it's worth the paper it's written on. And when the Muslim Brotherhood, supported today by the elite of the world, continue to cause conflict all over the Middle East as they have in Egypt and in Libya, and it will spread from one country to the other.
them, mark my words, none of them will be exempt. And, and again, this is exactly what we're seeing. I mean, we're seeing one um, Middle Eastern country after another, all this chaos. Started a, kind of in Tunisia, I believe, and then and now it's just spreading Egypt and Libya and, and, and all these countries. It's just one after another after another is what's happening there. When it does, the oil will not be supplied from over there. The dollar, because when oil goes to $200 a barrel, the American economy is going to be so drastically affected. You think we have problems now financially. The dollar will collapse toward the end of 2012. And when it does, all of the paper, please, folks, hear this, especially Arabs out there, the dollar collapses, the paper of the Federal Reserve will likewise do the same, and when it does, the double cross of the Arabs, which was started way back in 77, the double cross of the Arab world will take place. They will be so angry with us. You think that the, that the Muslims have, have a bone to pick with us right now. You haven't seen anything. Just wait till the dollar crashes. They're double crossed. So all these bonds and T-bills and things that the Arabs have purchased, and this was a deal brokered by Kissinger from 77 to 81, all of these things that they purchased in order to guarantee that we would buy their oil, they're going to be worth nothing overnight. At, at this point, they still have value, but now they're, they're not going to. So all this, these paper assets they've had from the United States are going to be devalued and worthless, just like the dollar is going to be overnight. There's nothing backing the dollar. There really hasn't been. I mean, we were off the gold standard in 1933, and then essentially in around 1968, we were totally off the silver standard. Totally off. Because there were still some silver and coins up till I believe, 68, and certain coins, like half dollars and silver dollars, like 50 or 40%. Anyway, <clears throat> there's nothing backing our money. So... They do. They print these these T bills and treasury bonds and things like that in order to pay this massive um, interest on this debt that has been accumulating. This these things are going to be devalued overnight. They're going to be double crossed. And he's saying, if you think they're mad at us now, wait till you see you know, what's coming when none of what they have is worth anything anymore and we're not going to be buying their oil to boot. So he'll explain that part now. Lose their paper wealth. They become again what they were 50 to 60 years ago. And are you ready for what's going to happen at that point? This is the reason that Alex has allowed me on his show today because I've just been told this a matter of, of, of well, it was hours. Well, when he says they'll become again what they were 50, 60 years ago, what he means by that is before the modern-day advent of the Middle Eastern oil tycoon, they weren't rich. They were just, you know, they weren't. They didn't have all of these. I mean, you've seen. I'm sure you've seen some of these palatial mansions that a lot of these uh, Arab uh, oil moguls have and possess. Um, <clears throat> they're going to go back to the time before the modern day advent of oil. Now, again, there may be other people to buy their oil, but I think they've really relied on the U.S. for that since 1977. So, going further. I talked with you last night, Alex, but now it's a few days. <clears throat> I was told 
that at that point we will not be able to get our crude oil from the Middle East and many of the other OPEC oil producing countries and in turn the elite plan to open America's own oil fields that they have known they've known for 50 years that they were there they knew about the North Slope of Alaska they knew about Gull Island which I recorded in my book and they threatened me never to talk about it again and I'm, I'm, Mr. Farm's gone now so I, I'm doing it and hoping that this this won't cause problems and Mr. Fromm that he's referring to is the upper-level oil executive that gave him inside information who he could never reveal his name before until now because Mr. Fromm has recently passed away. So, he feels as though because he's passed away he can come out with this information now a little bit more unabated than he was in past because in times past they threatened him and said, okay, you've said too much, Lindsay, you got a shot, stop. He came out with a book called uh, like The Oil Crisis or something. It's out of print now. And the reason it's out of print is because they forced him to stop doing it by threat of virtually death. <clears throat> and in it, he talked about how when he was this chaplain on this oil pipeline in Alaska, how they had found oil fields in the northern slope of Alaska that would literally dwarf anything that they have in the Middle East. Now, they're not just there. There's there. I've heard of oil fields. Um, I think either in South or North Dakota. And he mentions one in Colorado. Other ones in Alaska, where we would have more oil than we know what to do with if we tapped into these fields. Now, granted, that's even a farce in and of itself because there's technologies out there, and I don't just mean solar and wind. I'm talking about free energy technologies that have been suppressed for. Decades and decades and decades, where we could literally have energy, where we are not even consuming anything. There's there, there's no there's no um, it's not like we're consuming fuel or these types of things. There's there's free energy um, <clears throat> technology that's just been totally suppressed because if it were mainstream, it would put the power companies and the oil companies out of business, and they can't have that because they have to control us. <clears throat> so. There's been that there, we have got oil fields on American soil that would totally take any dependency away from the Middle East. Literally, I mean, if they if they got these things up and running, let's say it took them six months, I don't know, we wouldn't have to buy any extra oil. In fact, we could probably supply the rest of the world with oil. But they haven't done that. They've chose to go this opposite route with the with the Arabs and with them buying these treasury bonds and T-bills and buying our debt in exchange for us buying their oil. And then that always gave them the excuse to say, okay, well, this is going on in the Middle East, so we got to raise the prices of oil. Remember, they're trying to destroy the middle class of America. They're trying to destroy, uh, <clears throat> they're trying to create a very, very elite and a very, very super, super poor. They're trying to turn America into a third world nation. And most likely, the last nail in the coffin of America is going to be this oil issue. Because, see, if the oil goes up to $6 a gallon, or 7 if it's two, if it's $200 a barrel, it could easily be that, 6 to $7 a gallon. <clears throat> you have to understand, it's not just about you putting gas in your car and it, and it being more expensive. That's one thing. But what about the trucks that are on the road that are transporting the food to the grocery stores? Every single aspect, just about, of our economy is going to be affected. Prices of 
everything in the grocery stores are going to skyrocket as a result of this. I mean, any kind of goods are going to... I mean, everything is going to go up in price. Anything that has any kind of dependency on gasoline or diesel fuel or whatever kind of fuel, petroleum-based, that is going to be affected in a horrifically bad way. So that's something you have to bear in mind about this. I'm going to let him talk further here. Arctic Wildlife Refuge. They will open America's own oil fields, including the Bakken Reserve, including the reserve that is under the Rocky Mountains. Have you heard about it? Two trillion barrels. It was announced on August the 8th, 2005. President Bush talked about it, but they have not produced it yet. All of these oil fields, there is going to be a mad rush to oil production in America because we cannot get it from abroad when the Arabs and OPEC are double-crossed. And in turn, you are going to see America begin to produce from its own oil fields. But what's going to happen? By that time, you'll be paying 7 and $8 a gallon for gasoline, and it will be $200 a barrel. Our dollar will have already collapsed. And they will bring in, mark my words, a world currency. It is all a part of the new world order in order to accomplish what they want, Alex. Okay, so he laid it out there. Personally, I can't imagine a better way for them to implement this, a a one world currency, going into a new world order. Remember, what is the new world order's uh, motto? Ordo ab cal, which is the motto of the 33rd degree Freemason, I believe in Latin or something. Ordo ab cal means order out of chaos. They're going to bring their new world order out of in, out of the chaos of the old world order into the age of Aquarius. And the way that they're going to accomplish this from an economic monetary standpoint is the scenario he just laid out. Now. I can't say for 100% for sure this is absolutely going to happen. It may be that because this information has been released, that they might have to change and alter their plans. The New World Order, a lot of times, wants to operate in secrecy. They want to surprise people. So they may have to alter their plans. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say. It's it's, it's up to the Lord, because the Lord Jesus Christ is on the throne, and... You know, if this happens, he's going to have to permit it to happen. So, just remember, nothing's going to take him by surprise. <clears throat> now, let's go ahead, and I'm going to go ahead and jump ahead a little bit here. And we're going to play another clip. Okay, let's play the next clip. Uh, and uh, getting into uh, the uh, dollar being uh, phased out. More on the information uh, that the former oil company CEO told you on that front. And the rising of China uh, to replace us. There will be no shortages whatsoever on grocery store shelves. Now, when I said this for the first time about nine months, I was laughed at. There were many of your survivalists out there, many of them my very personal friends, that said, Lindsay, you're crazy. We're going to have a shortage of food. I said, no, we're not. Why? I've been told it. What are we all going to have a shortage of? The grocery store shelves will be full, but you're going to go hungry. Why are you going to go hungry? Not because there's a lack of groceries out there. Even with the cold that we've had that swept down into Mexico and Florida and other places that all vegetables are produced, 
there's no shortage whatsoever on the grocery store shelves right now. Why not? The new world order can bring it in from anywhere in the world. What it's caused? causes the prices to go up. You realize that in one week's time, garlic, a simple little thing like a, a garlic bulb, went up 100% last week alone. You realize the crude oil this morning went up $8 a barrel. All right, so stay going? there. Okay, so he's saying there's not going to actually be a food shortage, at least at this point, okay? But that it's going to be so expensive that you won't be able to buy it. I mean, what I would envision is, is grocery stores where you had, like, literally uh, armed guards there, or police, you know, to make sure that nobody is, um, that looting of the stores doesn't occur. Uh, <clears throat> that's the scenario I can see. Now, in, in a situation like that, the government could come along and make their deal as well, like saying, well, okay, we'll feed you, but... You know, you need to make sure, you know, you're going to have to give up this, this, and this in order for us to feed you. You're going to have to become totally dependent on us, just like George Orwell, 1984, in order for you to have food to eat. Because you can't afford it anymore, because all that paper money that you had, or even if you had any, most Americans just live week to week. They don't have have any savings, and they have very little uh, food or, or any way to purify water or anything like that. That's the way they, it's just the normal way we live. They, they're up to their eyeballs and credit card debt and mortgages and things of this nature. And um, when the dollar devalues, they're, they're not going to be able to live anymore. They're, they're, it's not going to be worth anything to buy anything, at least until we have the coming one world global currency. But that transitional period is going to be pretty horrific. Remember, order out of chaos. They want to try to maximally traumatize us so that we'll accept their whatever they, whatever benevolent plan they lay before us. Now we're just talking about the economy here. We're just talking about devaluation of the dollar. Can you imagine if, in concert with this, we have things like uh, mass UFO sightings and or mass cataclysmic events, earthquakes, tsunamis, hurricanes? Uh, they're talking you know, about the poles shifting. Who knows? what's going to happen in the next, between now and 2012. Let's say we have a pandemic thrown in there. Let's say with all the Middle Eastern things that are going on, and he, Lindsay Williams is saying that's going to escalate, and how mad they're going to be when they realize that they're all these paper uh, securities and bonds and T-notes that they've bought from America are worth nothing. Can you imagine how much more so America will be labeled by the Middle East as the great Satan? And all of these Muslim um, cell groups that have been here literally for decades and how they've opened up the borders to them where they can just basically walk right into the country, how that could be used to instill, uh, who knows, uh, anthrax releases, dirty nuclear bombs, who knows what might be going on from that standpoint. And granted, the government's let it all happen. They want that. They want maximum shock and awe chaos in order to well where we'll just we'll give in and, and, and just just make it go away is it will be you know the, the most part that will be the attitude of most Americans and I've just went over a few of the different scenarios you know and then what if, what if at that point you know we have World War three as well because if anything could spur World War three I would imagine this could 
And the Middle East hatred for the... I mean, I'm sure they're going to blame the Jews and the Americans for all of their all of their woes, okay? And not to say America didn't orchestrate this, but then again, America is just a puppet of the Illuminati, who is really just a puppet of Satan. So you, you, if you want to trace it back up, you, you just go right back to Satan. And he's got fallen angels, demons and devils, and these types of minions that go out there and orchestrate these things through... Primarily, their instruments on planet Earth are the 13 families of the Illuminati. Most likely, the Rothschilds being at the very top of the food chain. They're the ones that literally control governments and politicians and orchestrate these types of events. But the Lord's letting it all happen, and the Bible predicts this is going to happen. So, this shouldn't take us by surprise. Okay, so we're going to play about... Not quite another four minutes of this clip, and then we'll be done with this particular clip, and then we're going to give you a little more confirmation after that. For general callers that have questions for Lindsey Williams. Now, Lindsey, this segment's short, but just boiling it down, because you told me even more last night, how the dominoes will fall, the Middle East, then the oil price, then the opening up for exploration. Did he give you dates? Then this rise of China, who we now know is basically running our government, even the Associated Press is reporting that, using the, their debt they hold on us, the cheating of the Arabs. Break it down briefly for us. Time frame. The end of 2012, you will see the dollar collapse. So I've been told by the end of 2012. That means that the Arabs are going to be double-crossed by the end of 2012, sometimes prior to that. Whenever they are, we don't get the oil supply from the Middle East. This is going to be a major crisis time for America because not only is it a crisis for you at the gas pump who are having to drive your vehicle to work every day, but it's going to be a crisis for the truckers, the airlines, and a major crisis for the military of the United States of America. And that's the reason that they're so concerned about the Fifth Fleet right now over there around Dubai and that part of the world. So you have a time frame of the end of 2012. One person said to me this morning, they said, Chaplin, it's going to take place in 2011. It was the talk show host called me before your show, Alex. And I said, no, it's not. I said, I've been given the time at the end of 2012. You'd better be ready. They will do this by then. China is the big one. China just made an agreement with Russia. Where, now, this puts China out of the picture altogether as far as crude oil and natural gas is concerned. China just cut an agreement with Russia. Russia last year became the number one oil supplier of the world. Saudi Arabia took a second place because of Russia's super deep wells, which I've dealt with that subject before on Alex's show. And as a result, China now has agreed with Russia to buy all of the crude oil and all of the natural gas that they want. China will not, do you hear this? China will not be affected by the Middle East crisis because they're now getting their oil from Russia. We will not be able to get it there because they're supplying so much to China. And as a result, we will have to turn to our own oil fields here in America. A time frame that you must be aware of is the end by the end. That means you better be ready a long time before. If you want groceries, you better go to the grocery store and buy six months to a year's supply right now because the dollar is going to collapse in such a manner. See, when crude oil went up this morning, $8 a barrel, it wasn't the crude oil that went up. It was the purchasing power of the dollar that went down. And when that garlic 
which went up 100% in one week. I know a simple little garlic bulb. You housewives can see this. You went to the grocery store, it went up 100% in one week. What did that do? It wasn't the garlic that changed. There's still as many cloves in that garlic as there ever was. It was the dollar that you purchased the garlic with that is going down in purchasing power regardless of what the Federal Reserve is telling you. You had better go and do what you're going to do and do it now and get something for your household and prepare for what's going to happen. China will not be affected by this fuel crisis because they're getting it out of Russia and they're not using the American dollar for All the right, so the globalists are on the move. I want to finish up with this rise of China decline of the U.S. and then the rebirth of the U.S. Let's finish up with that, then calls. Okay, so that's the end of the clip. Granted, there's five parts. You can, If you click on the link that I will provide in the PDF for the 228-2011 teaching, there will, will be a PDF on contendingfortruth.com or then the other sites that, that host my teachings as well. Uh, there's going to be about a 17, 18 page PDF. I try to do that every single time I put up a teaching so that you have it all at your fingertips. If you want to research this more, if you want to listen to all five parts of this interview, they're right up here on the internet. You can do that. Uh, some really hard hitting information. And uh, just from a preparation type of standpoint, the Bible says, The prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Okay, so on a related note, the same day, well, maybe it was the day after, I saw this Lindsay Williams interview, I received an email, it was actually from my aunt, and it was an excerpt from a Facebook chat kind of thing. And I'm not up on Facebook, and we're going to actually look at Facebook today extensively, but it was a man called Bobby Sanchez, and he wrote, and this totally confirms... The Lindsay Williams book, The Energy, I believe it's called The Energy Non-Crisis. If you can find a copy, you're probably going to pay a premium for it because it's out of print. Like I said, because the elitist told him, no, 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 you can't, we don't want you to release this information anymore. Uh, So he had to stop certain things that he was doing quite a while ago. Well, anyway, when I read this quote, it wouldn't have meant a lot to me unless I had read his book previously which was quite a while ago, and known the information that he said and listened to a lot of his different things that have become very accurate regarding, particularly regarding oil, okay? This totally confirms his research and what we just heard. And a guy named Bobby Sanchez wrote, quote, I live in Alaska and represent the citizens of Alaska on a committee that interfaces with the oil industry and the community. In a nutshell, the Alaskan pipeline used to push 2.8 million barrels of oil a day 30 years ago. With the Democratic Party nixing any future drilling and exploration since then, the pipeline now has about 340,000 barrels a day going through. Now, think about that. Okay, so the Alaskan pipeline used to push 2.8 million barrels a day 30 years ago. What was the timeline that Lindsey Williams just said regarding uh, Kissinger with the um, deal that he made with the Arabs? Wasn't that like 19... Was it 1976 to 1981? Or 78 to 81? Well, isn't that about 30 years? Yeah, it is. It's exactly that, actually. It's, it's in that... falls within that time frame. Now... He's blaming the Democratic Party for nixing any future drilling. But you have to understand, 
whether it be Democrat or Republican, they're all the same side of the wicked coin. Okay, they're all the same side of big government. I understand, yes, there's, there's definitely a lot of things within the Republican uh, Party that they typically, conservatives that they stand for, you know, pro, uh, pro-life pro and, in you know, the, the, where they're not, you know, in league with the, the gays and these types of things. Not to say I wouldn't stand for that as well, but you have to understand, it's all the New World Order boys at that level. Some of them are more aggressive than others. Typically, when the Democrats are in office, they tend to get more aggressive with implementing their agenda. Great example is, is the current devil that's in office right now, Obama. I mean, my word, I've never seen so many draconian, uh, aggressive, flagrant, in-your-face uh, pieces of legislation implemented as under this guy. Whereas with Bush, yeah, it was pretty bad, but he's Obama's taken it to a whole other level. So typically they tend to be a little more aggressive, but sometimes it's not the case. Sometimes they're even more aggressive on certain issues with Republicans in office. Okay, I'm just saying overall, in general. Generally, with Democrats in, in office, they can implement more, of, because Democrats, you know, obviously are, are more liberal, and, you know, Satan's agendas are... Ab, are, are much more fall in line with liberalism than they would with conservatism. So, isn't it funny that he says, with the Democratic Party nixing any future drilling and exploration since the pipeline, um, this happened 30 years ago. 30 years, which is exactly the time frame Lindsey Williams just gave. We totally line up with that. Now, I really believe the Lord a lot of times will orchestrate emails that I get in to cross-confirm things that I'm going to get into. And I got this like literally one or two days after the Lindsey Williams interview came out. And <clears throat> I was like, oh, wow, this is like totally confirming what he said and what his book said. So, 30 years ago, the Alaskan pipeline was pushing 2.8 million barrels a day. But now it's doing about 340,000 barrels a day going through. <clears throat> now, the Aliska Pipeline Company, which is the exact same pipeline company that Lindsey Williams worked for as as the chaplain. Just so happens. The Aliska Pipeline Company is now finishing an upgrade to the pipeline that would allow them to either batch ship oil down the line or increase shipping to 4.9 million barrels. Now, think about this. If they're only producing 340,000 barrels per day, why would they do this upgrade to potentially increase that up to 4.9 million barrels, which would be a, I don't know how many fold increase. Think about that. Well, what did Lindsey Williams just say? He just said when the dollar collapses, and the Arabs, T-bills, and treasury notes, and all these things collapse, and we won't be able to buy oil from them anymore, because the dollar's not going to be worth anything anyway, we're going to start tapping our own oil fields again. We're not going to need them. That is going to systematically not only from a monetary standpoint, destroy the Arabs, but um, granted, gas is going to be, well, he's saying $7, $8 a gallon at that point, but we're going to have all, we, we already do have all the oil we, we could possibly need in our own oil fields. They're all of a sudden doing this upgrade to the pipeline that would allow them to batch ship oil down the line or increase shipping to 4.9 million barrels a day? Wow, 4.9 million. Right now we're producing 340,000? That's a pretty big increase. I mean, uh, 13, 14 times, 14 times the amount we're doing right now, around that level. Well, 
if we're not going to be getting it from the Arabs anymore, they would want this upgrade in place prior to the dollar collapsing, right? Prior to us knowing that we're not going to be able to purchase oil from the Arabs. Wouldn't they want this upgrade in place prior to that? Sure they would. And here we are. They're doing it and they've, they're just finishing this upgrade right now. I don't even think Lindsay Williams knows about this information that I'm reading you. I just happened to get it from my aunt. And it was from a Facebook chat of all things. I never get things from like off a Facebook chat where they actually had copied and pasted the chat? Unbelievable. <clears throat> now, had the Democrats not stopped future drilling and exploration, the pipeline would be sending 4.9 million barrels a day to the USA. Now, that's not... Again, he's, a, he's looking at it from... He's blaming, wanting to blame the Democrats. Okay? Listen, it was a New World Order plan. Kissinger worked it out. We agreed, not to, we agreed to only tap a little bit of our oil. We were, we were tapping, uh, bringing in 2.8 million barrels a day 30 years ago, and then we made this agreement with the Arabs that we're, we're going to buy your oil, we're going to tap a lot less of ours, in fact, we're going to bring it down to 340,000 barrels a day, at least that's what's happening now, as long as you buy our debt, T-bills, treasury notes, things like this. It all totally lines up with what we just heard, is what I guess the point I'm trying to make. So, all of a sudden, we stop future drilling and exploration. Oh, I wonder why. Well, it's exactly why, because of what we just heard with what um, Kissinger did. So, <clears throat> had the Democrats not stopped future drilling and exploration, the pipeline would be sending 4.9 million barrels a day to the USA right now. And no doubt a second pipeline would have been built in the 1990s like Alaska wanted to. Alaska would be providing 40% of America's needs, if not more. Right now, the state of Alaska is negotiating for a natural gas pipeline as well. Alaska has enough oil and natural gas to provide the needs of the U.S. for almost 300 years. Now, this whole natural gas thing is a whole other horrific thing that's going on in America, where they're, it's called fracking, F-R-A-C. They're fracking the ground to get this natural gas, and they're totally contaminating and polluting the groundwater in the wells. Well, why would Satan want to do that? Well, he doesn't want you to have access to clean water. He does not want you to have access to clean water. So if you're on, if you're near a well system where they're fracking around the uh, well, where they're drilling down through like the shale, and they're trying, and they're drilling down through these wells, and they're releasing all of this stuff, and they're pumping chemicals down there as well. I believe there's a whole I think it's called Gasland. There's a whole documentary on this. Well, then that well's contaminated. You will not be able to use that for water. So, <clears throat> you need to either have some really good purification, and 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 I'm not granted. Uh, do what you can do. Pray about it. Fast about it. But what I'm saying is just purely from a, a practical standpoint. If you're near a lake, or if you're near a river, if there's a way that you can purify that water that's contaminated. I mean, there's chemtrails being sprayed all the time, too. That's contaminating the water as well. Who knows what that's doing? The Echolo Blue machines are very good as well, because they literally manufacture water out of thin air. They've got a new one now, <clears throat> Echolo Blue, E-C-O-L-O-B-L-U-E. Probably EcoloBlue.com, I don't know. They've got one now that's an improvement on their last machine. And the prices did come down some. So, my machine's been running. 
you know, I've, I've got one of the first generation. It's not user-friendly. I'll flat out tell you, if you can afford it, buy the better one. The ones I've got right now, I think, are about a grand, though. And it does work. It hasn't broke down. Had a little bit of problems with the, some technical things, but you call technical support, and they'll, they'll help you out. It's just, it's very, very hard. It's a lot of maintenance. Um, <clears throat> and there's a lot of things on the machine that, and not to be chauvinistic, but if you were a woman, you might have a hard time dealing with some of the, unless you had like a pipe wrench or a gorilla grip, as I've said before. Alpha male silverback gorilla grip. Anyway, um, yeah. Uh, but anyway, it is, it does manufacture out thin air. Now, what if we lost power? Well, um, if you could afford it, you know, solar generator, wind generator, these types of things, you could actually power something like that where you could actually have water being produced continually. I mean, if you had to have like one absolute necessity where you had to have power, and if you didn't have access to water, because, I mean, it's one thing to take away the food, but what if, they, what if the water, you know, who knows what they could try to do with that? Anyway, just some things to think about. I'm not trying to be, you know, say, you've got to do this. You know, you, the only thing you got to do is pray and fast about things and, and get the Lord's direction, get into the Word of God. I'm just trying to give you some, you know, tips. And again, we did a couple weeks ago, we did an emergency preparedness teaching. You might want to go back and reference that. I've, I've done a lot. What I'm probably going to do from now on is I'm going to try to lump. I'm just going to wait until things accumulate for emergency preparedness, and I'll do separate teachings just with that in there. That way, it's not just like intermingled in my other teachings, which really isn't the way to do it. Um, <clears throat> going further, Alaska has enough oil and natural gas to provide the needs of the U.S. for about 300 years, according to this man. There is more oil and gas here than in the whole Middle East combined. 100% true what he just said. And that's going all the way back to reading Lindsay Williams' book on all of these gigantic oil fields, they've essentially capped and said, well, we're not going to pull any out of there. They're trying to create crisis. They're trying to drive prices up. They're trying to, you know, for all these different reasons. <clears throat> but what it boils down to is destroying, creating a super elite class and a third world poverty class in America. That's what they're wanting. Now, <clears throat> He goes on to talk about what they call ANWR, which stands for the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. And it's a national wildlife refuge in northeastern Alaska, United States. It consists of almost 20 million acres in the Alaskan northern slope, and it is the largest national wildlife refuge in the country. Now, I added that little part in there because he uses that acronym, that abbreviation, ANWR, and if you didn't know what it meant, it, this wouldn't make a whole lot of sense, the next part I'm going to talk about. <clears throat> and I'm just going to call ANWR, the, the abbreviation. If ANWR were a regulation football field, in other words, if this Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, which is tw about 20 million acres, if it were <clears throat> if it were a regulation football field, the area of Alaska that would be used for oil production would be less than the size of a postage stamp. In other words, we're not talking about you know going up there and decimating millions and millions of acres in order to get the oil out of the ground. Okay, he's saying if the um, this Anwar, this twenty million acres, were the size of a regulation football field, 
the area of Alaska that would be used for oil production would be less than the size of a postage stamp. Before the pipeline, and, and then, now what he's talking about here is this is the whole thing about where wildlife conservancy organizations would come along and say, oh, you can't pump for oil because you're killing all the animals. Or you're devastating the land up there. Okay, well this is his answer to that. And I think he brings up some great points. He says, before the pipeline, there were 600,000 caribou in the area. Now, there's 2 million. Before the pipeline, there were 5,000 polar bears. Now, we have 25,000. Doesn't sound like the polar bears are really hurting. They've, you know, they've went up by by uh, times five. Okay, the caribou have went up um, by over three fold increase. <clears throat> I have been to Anwar. The place is a mosquito factory, not some place you, your kids, grandkids, or grandkids for generations are ever going to want to visit. Not unless you like brown water and muck up to your kneecaps. Clouds of mosquitoes that make it impossible to identify if it is an animal or a person they are circling. I mean, where do I sign up? If Alaska was given the green light, we could... In other words, he said that last part. It was implied. You have to kind of read between the lines. The reason he said that last part was to show you that if there's environmental concerns about getting this oil out of the ground, there shouldn't be. Because the actual... Populations of certain animals have, you know, went up multifold, and it's not a place that you're going to want to ever visit anyway. If Alaska was given the green light, we could ramp up from 300,000 barrels a day to nearly five million barrels a day in two to three years. And again, I think that's why they're putting these improvements in place so that they can start mega pumping oil out of the ground when the dollar collapses and when we double-cross the Arabs, and when we can't buy their oil anyway, because, you know, we won't, we won't be able to afford it. The dollar would be worth nothing. New pipelines, production, and infrastructure take about 8 to 10 years from concept to the first drop of oil coming out. Uh, again, I think they're going to have a lot of this stuff in place. The Alaskan Republican Congressional Delegation has been trying to do this for 30 years. Again, he's saying, the, the Republicans are the good guys, Okay, the, the mean Democrats, the, no it wasn't. It was a deal worked out with Kissinger and the Arabs. That's the reason they haven't been pumping the, the oil out of the ground. That's the reason. Yeah, we want to have somebody we can demonize. I'm not saying what the Democrats stand for is good. Obviously, you know, for the most part, they're, they're pro-death, pro-abortion. You know, they give all these special privileges to the homosexuals, to the illegal aliens, all these other things. Obviously, I don't stand for any of that. But just please, understand, get your, get your, I'm trying to get your eye on the big picture and that they're just doing what their puppet masters are telling them to do. Anyway, they're saying the Alaskan public, the Republican congressional delegation have been trying to do this for 30 years. As a long time Alaska, all I can say is that we told you so. Well, again, it's all been by design. He doesn't understand the big picture, okay? But some very insightful comments on somebody who lives there and literally interfaces with the oil industry. So I thought that was very, very confirmatory to what we were, what we just heard from Lindsay Williams. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and end part one there, and we'll go to part two next. In 
If you would like to sign up for Scott Johnson's free Christian current events and health newsletters, please email him at drjohnson at ix.netcom.com. That's drjohnson at the letter i, the letter x, dot netcom dot com with the word subscribe in the subject line. Scott Johnson's weekly audios are available for free 24-7 on the internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N-D-I-N-G-F-O-R-T-R-U-T-H dot com. Please help us continue this work. To support this ministry, our mailing address is Scott Johnson, 2nd Line 450, Conover, C-O-N-O-V-R, Boulevard West. Number 202, Third Line, Conover, North Carolina, 28613. Or on the internet, PayPal can be used at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you, and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.